Good morning, Genesis. Here we are on this amazing Palm Sunday, and we are invited today to come together to turn our eyes, our minds, and our hearts toward Holy Week. And this morning, all eyes are on Jesus, who is our living hope. Here are the details recorded in the book of Matthew, and Dan is going to read the text for us this morning. From Matthew 21, 1 through 17. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. After the parade, Jesus went into the temple, and the drama got even more intense. From Matthew 22, 12 to 17, Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, do you hear what they are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them and went out to the city of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Well, that was a very full day for Jesus and his followers, and excitement was running very high. So what did this day mean to the people who were so excited to see Jesus riding on a donkey along with her colt? Jesus rode into Jerusalem through the east gate coming from the Mount of Olives. I've been there, and it's a very steep, steep road coming down from the mount to the gate. 
And in Jewish tradition, the Messiah would enter through that gate. And historians say that there were probably a million and a half people flooding into Jerusalem that day. And there would be a lamb in arms for every 10 people. Can you imagine the smell, the noise of all those lambs and all those people coming into Jerusalem? And here comes Jesus on a donkey with her cold and, and crowds of people shouting his praise and the children shouting Hosanna. And in that culture, a donkey that has never been ridden before had a very special meaning. It meant that Jesus was coming as a king of peace. A donkey is a noble animal in the Bible. And kings ride into town either on a war horse, that means victory in war, or on a donkey coming in peace. So the people understood that Jesus, who was of course very popular as a rabbi, they knew that this was a transition in his ministry. Jesus is making a coming out statement. His authority is about to become very public. Up until now, he often asked people to be quiet. And when he healed them or cast out demons, he said, don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell anybody what happened because the time wasn't right yet. But now is the time for Jesus to declare himself as king. And the people are taking up the cry, Hosanna, save us, King Jesus. Well, the people of that time were definitely short on hope. It was a heavy time. It was a fearful time. The people of God were not free. They were denied even basic dignity and liberty. God seemed to be on silent, God on mute. Rome had ruled over the people so long. For the Jewish people, life was hard and heavy. They had to pay high taxes to Rome, and there was a strong military presence. The Romans even had control over the religious leaders, and there was constant fear of imprisonment or even death itself. In fact, Jesus would have witnessed when he was a young child in the year 4 AD, there was a Roman general named Varus, and he came against an uprising in Galilee, which was Jesus' home area. And he crucified 2,000 people along the roadway in Galilee, in public, on crosses. Jesus would have witnessed that. And so the threat and power of Rome was swift and sure for anyone so bold and foolish to defy these military occupying forces. So it's no wonder that Jesus' teaching and miracles and promise of abundant life was such welcome good news to the ears of such a weary people. So refreshing and, and so hopeful. And then when he went into the temple and gave those money changers what they had coming to them, well, now it's about time that someone made things right. And now God's name and God's prayers are restored to the holy temple of God. Yes, the people are ready for revolution, for liberation, for things to be set right. So on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus, King Jesus, He's going to flip the script and make things right. It was a day worth celebrating. And when people went home that night to sleep,
their hearts and their hopes were lifted just a little higher than anything they had felt for a very long time. But when Jesus went to Bethany and spent the night there, he knew the drama of Holy Week was just beginning. He knew what was coming. He knew that he would be condemned, that he would be whipped by those Roman soldiers. He knew that he'd be deserted and abandoned by his followers. And he knew that he'd be left to carry his cross alone and that a stranger would be plucked from the crowd to help him when he could carry it no more. And he knew that it was going to be tough. And perhaps he did not know yet what it was going to feel like to feel abandoned by the father, but he surely did know the grave was waiting for him. Of course, he also knew that he'd be raised to life and that real hope, a hope that the world had never seen before, was about to be born, a hope we call our Easter hope. So in that in-between time, as Palm Sunday and Holy Week played out in all its drama and Jesus was put to death, that little bit of hope that people fell on that Hosanna day, well, as the week went on, it probably felt like the air going out of a balloon. Where is hope now? But maybe you felt like that during the past year. We live in that in-between time. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID, which has given us all such huge challenges. And then there's so many other things piled on top of the pandemic, some days, it feels like nothing's going to ever get better. And we live in that in-between time, between the reality of the resurrection and the time when Jesus said he will return. So that tension between a solid hope and the reality that tempts us to despair, you certainly are not alone if you feel that tension. Last week, I was listening to my favorite devotional app, Lectio 365, and my attention was drawn to Holy Week through the teaching all week on the app, and especially when Jesus lay in the tomb between this Palm Sunday and Easter, and the reader said this, this is where most of us live our lives, in that no man's land, between questions and answers, prayers uttered, and miracles to come. It's where I wait with a peculiar mixture of faith and despair whenever God is silent and life doesn't make sense. I get that. If I put the good circumstances of my life on this side on a scale and the bad things that happen on this side, this side looks pretty scary and threatening. And I'm left with more questions than answers. And I crave control. So I, I'm tempted to try to put things back in balance. Well, for that means I'm seeking relief in snacks and sugar, wanting to spend my money on comforts and pleasures, watching out for myself, and ultimately feeling more and more hopeless and unhappy. And this month I had a huge computer data breach. I've had chronic health issues that mess with my sleep. I have so many friends and family members who are struggling with really serious health problems. On the good side, COVID vaccines are here and federal financial aid is welcome. I'll take that for sure. 
But I find that constantly evaluating my circumstances as some kind of barometer of hope is quite frankly exhausting. Circumstantial hope is flimsy and insipid. I need, I desperately need Jesus as my living hope. I need this reminder today that the hope Jesus offers is not based on circumstances. It's a hope based on a person, on Jesus himself. He is our living hope, declared in scripture in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Solid hope. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. That's a solid hope. So I learned more as I looked at this story about Jesus as our living hope. This hope first came to us by God's supreme plan. I confess this hope without wavering because it comes from the mind of God, the purpose of God for all humanity. From the beginning of time, God was just waiting for the right time for this plan to be revealed in Jesus, the gift of living hope for our lives. There are more than 700 prophecies that point to the coming of the Messiah, including that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, how cool is that? We read that in our text today in Matthew 21. God has a plan. And today we celebrate God's plan in the coming of Jesus as a king on a donkey on our as our living hope. And the second way that Jesus comes to us as living hope is through God's provision. God provides everything that's needed for his plan to be carried out. And in today's story, Jesus told his disciples to go into the village and look for a donkey that had never been ridden. He even gave them a password in case anyone should ask. So God makes available everything that's needed to fulfill God's plan. God pays attention to those little details, those just-in-case items. I can testify that over and over again, God provides. Lately, I've been uh, enjoying a mentoring relationship with a young woman in her 30s in my neighborhood. She's a Christian. She's a teacher. It's been a tough year. She's in a local charter school. She asked me to walk with her once a week, literally walk outdoors to mentor her. And we've been walking all winter into this spring. And so I agreed. And each week we walk together and I pray for her. I pray for her daily. But on Saturdays, before we walk, before we meet, I ask God to give me a word or a scripture or an image that she can meditate on for the coming week. And every single time God has faithfully given me a word or an image from scripture, and it has been spot on. Sometimes God would give me a word or an idea that I wondered how could it possibly fit into this woman's life. But as soon as I would speak it, she would say, oh, well that sure does touch a nerve. It could be a word of challenge or encouragement. 
but God provides and is deeply concerned for the tiniest details of our lives. I wanted to share with you that right now in Myanmar, our brothers and sisters in Christ are living in a context much like the time of Jesus. A military coup has riled the public into massive protests and the backlash has been brutal. The military known as Tatmanda took over after it rejected the results of the November 13th election, claiming it was fraudulent. International observers say there's no evidence of fraud, but protesters want the military to relinquish power and release Aung San Suu Kyi, a civilian political leader and a Nobel Peace Prize winner. She's been held in an undisclosed location since February 1st. The military has fiercely repressed the protests and now over 300 people have been killed. Many more died just yesterday and more than 2,900 people, including journalists, some of them people we know have been arrested on violent crackdowns by the security forces. Many people are under house arrest. Pastors and youth leaders have been arrested and carried away. The average age of those who have lost their lives is 17 years old. I've been to Myanmar. When we were there, we had to register all our activities with the government. We were not allowed to go to any, into any private homes. So how does God provide in such a setting? God is providing courage and hope in the middle of an impossible situation. Our brothers and sisters in Myanmar started a movement called Standing in the Gap, Give, Advocate, and Pray, G-A-P. On a Facebook post, a friend of ours from Myanmar wrote this, quoting C.S. Lewis, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. That is a prayer that is full of faith and need, fear and need, but ultimately of hope that God is going to provide for the people of Myanmar as they need all that God can give them to carry out this struggle for peace, for justice, for a new day. And it's nothing new. They have been under repression for many, many decades. The change I long for is that the circumstances of my own life will no longer be the measure of happiness or of God's provision. I wanna see God's provision on God's terms, not mine. I want to grow like my brothers and sisters in Myanmar to trust the ways that God chooses to provide. I want to live according to that plan that God knows so much more about than I do. Besides God's plan and provision, there's a third way that I discovered in this story that Jesus shows up as our living hope. He comes in power. He exercised his power and authority in the temple. He restored proper order and made it a place of healing. He brings salvation power, the power of forgiveness of sins, 
resurrection power, eternal power. Where I am weak, he is strong. And where the powers of this world seem to be winning, Jesus has the final word. His power is magnificent and forever pure and peaceable. This is our living hope. So over the past few years, I've been giving a lot of my time and energy and trying to exercise this holy hope for environmental justice and responding to the climate crisis. Each year, air pollution in Detroit causes 690 deaths. That's 17% of all the deaths in the metro area each year. Thousands of hospital visits, 1% of all hospitalizations are due to air pollution in Metro Detroit. Air pollution accounts for two to 13% of all the days people spend with asthma symptoms. And so asthma is a special concern in Detroit given its very high rates. And $6.9 billion a year are the direct and economic costs of these health impacts. On top of that, we have many industries that are allowed by law to dump toxins in our water in small increments every day. One hazardous waste facility near my home in Hamtramck dumps 330,000 gallons of wastewater a day into the Detroit water and sewage system. They're regulated for the amount of toxins they can release every day, but the state of Michigan admits that they have no ongoing cumulative impact studies or reports. Each industry is treated individually for how much they can add to the pollution burden, but no one really knows how it all adds up to impact our health, except that cancer and asthma are everywhere in our community. To me, this is just like Jesus going into Jerusalem knowing he's facing the grave. He goes anyway because he trusts the Father. His hope is in the love and mercy of God. And every day I wake up and I ask God for his plan, for his provision, for his power to face this gaping mouth of death that is destroying people that I love. We all know someone who has these diseases that are caused by our own consumption and greed. It seems impossible and hopeless much of the time, but I have seen God at work. I've seen God's power. A couple of years ago, we got busy and organized over 500 people to attend public hearings with the state of Michigan at a mosque here in Hamtramck. Uh, the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality at the time said it was one of the largest public hearing gatherings they had ever seen. And they heard us loud and clear that we were not going to stand by and watch our loved ones suffer and die. And I saw children testify at those hearings, declaring that they wanna live in a place that's clean and healthy, just like those children waving palms and shouting hosannas on the streets of Jerusalem. Many people don't get involved in caring for the earth or its people or in other causes for justice because it seems too hard and too hopeless. It's a heavy lift. And there are many ways when it does feel that way, that it's too hard, whether it's racial justice, water justice, 
climate crisis or the fight to end homelessness or even COVID. But we, my friends, are people of hope. We believe God has a plan. We believe God will provide and that God will come in power. We have a living hope that is offered to us in endless supply. Jesus is our hope and he is worth celebrating today because he has no beginning and no end. He created the world. He was there at the beginning of time. Jesus is our alpha and our omega. He is our beginning and end. The circumstances of my life are no match for his plan, for his provision, for his power. In fact, he is shaping my life so that I can also be a person of hope. That is good news for our neighbors and for our world and what we see going on around us. With all the challenges day by day, these are like the props and the drama of a big celebration play. And the script is in God's hands. I can trust that. God has the beginning and the final word, and that word is Jesus. Jesus is the rock of our salvation, the fulfillment of many past promises, and the king who faithfully guarantees the promise of the future. These promises are the abundant life that we seek as we yield to his love, captivating our hearts, and when we go out in the, in the next few days to continue to share the lilies that we heard about in the testimony time that our pastors have provided for us, this is the truth we can share. Times are tough, but Jesus is tougher. Times are challenging, but Jesus has faced that ultimate challenge. He rode into Jerusalem. He rode into the gaping mouth of death. He was swallowed up by the powers that be in the state and the religious politic, but he overcame and defeated them all. He is victorious through his perfect, unrelenting, sacrificial love. That, my friends, makes him our living hope. I want to have you hear him speak words of hope over you today and trust that his plan and provision and power are perfectly in place for you. So just take a moment now and just let yourself soak in the words of Jesus. He says, I am your good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. In this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Follow me. Love one another as I have loved you. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, treat the prisoner as your family and the stranger as well. All of them are your neighbors and kin. I will send my spirit to teach you and counsel you in all things. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again. I will be with you always even to the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. You are our living hope. Let's pray together. Jesus, we celebrate you today. You are our living hope, and there is no one else like you, Lord. Help us 
to exchange our flimsy hopes for you, Jesus. Help us be more like you day by day. Help us to yield to your love and be available to share hope with those around us. Amen. Oh, Sharon, thank you so much. Uh, it's so good to sit uh, with the body of Jesus, listening to the words of Jesus, right, and, and to Paul's, right? And we've heard so much about, even for everything that was shared about hearing from God, right? It was so much about responding to what Jesus was saying um, to us and for others from the story of you listening prophetically for your friend and getting a word to Bonnie talking about hearing about her friend who was in such a hard moment, right? And then yet being being scared that what we're going to say is going to come across trite because they're in such real issues, real heaviness. But yet, right? That hope that says God is alive and has a plan, right? That God is a good provider and that God's powerful. And breathing in those deep truths to receive them for ourselves, for those of us who need to hear that again today. And so we want to pause, right? We just want to pause. And um, we're a people listening to the living God. And so where you are, would you pause for a second and say, what, what are you hearing, right? And we've heard a lot that could be taken just for our own encouragement of Jesus speaking to each of us for our own encouragement. But also, Sharon told us stories of calling, told us stories of joining with the things that God is doing in the world, right? Stories of, of saying yes to the work of Jesus that is happening around us. And some of those places are like hard. And, and it would feel like if yeah, Jesus was calling into it, it's like, well, we're probably not going to fix it ourselves. There is no Savior but Jesus. You are not the Savior. I'm not the Savior, right? But yeah, Jesus is inviting us in. And her word there was like, boy, if, if we're only going to say yes to the things that we could solve, that we can fix, we're going to step into nothing, right? But yet, Jesus is inviting us into real things that that Jesus is going to fix, right? That Jesus is going to step into. And so, Jane and I heard that word of like, boy, it is hard. Yeah, it is hard, but yet we're hearing this call into it. And so I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are a number of you here at Genesis, you're hearing an invitation for Jesus, from Jesus who's inviting you in, right? Like Bonnie was hearing that, hey, move towards this friend. Yeah, Bonnie, you can't fix this, right? But you can love him, right? Jesus is going to move into this. Yeah, and there's a word for this woman, right? And, but yet you're hearing Jesus invite you in. And, and again, I just pray that we, let's just create some space to hear what Jesus is saying and for us to say yes to it. <laughs> right? For us just to say yes. We don't have to get all the plan, right? We know that God's going to provide and we know that God has the power. And so today... I, I, as a people of Jesus, I believe there's a yes, and your yes might sound feel really small, and that's okay. 
And so, but I believe, what's your yes today? What is Jesus wanting to say to you? You're just going to say yes to, meaning a yes to his hope, a yes to his power. Or it's a, it's a yes to, to Jesus' calling for you. Step in. So um, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen on the behalf of others? Are you willing to listen to what Jesus wants to say to you? So that's our first yes. Let's say yes to that. And so let me just create a little space for the living Jesus to speak. And a little bit of silence. You may not have that in your home. You may, you may have a little guy like this drawn right next to you, right? Making zombies and stuff. You may not have it, but Jesus can speak over it, right? Not, well, not over it, but with it, in it. And so Jesus, living God, all authority was given to you to speak into whatever you wanted over us and over our world for our good as you are our shepherd. So Lord, my brothers and sisters who are on this call, Lord, you can speak over them. What are you wanting to say? We say yes to hearing from you. And so Lord, would you speak to my brothers and sisters over their today, over their yesterday, over their future, the word of hope, the word of calling, whatever you want to speak. Lord, we're listening. Speak, Lord. Well, I pray that if the Lord is speaking, that you'd share that with somebody else. You'd activate that faith by speaking it out loud. You'd tell somebody. One of our great beliefs is that on any given day, right? When our great, a promise, right? As we gather on any given day, we would be able to share what God was saying to us. What's God saying to you? Hey, Dad, how did you spell please? Hold one second. What's God saying to you? Maybe tune our ear and to believe it. For me, Sharon, it was it, it is a word of hope. It's a word of hope um, in in the in God's plan and God's purposes in the church and the people, right? Of moving a people together to step into um, the hard, right? To step into the hard. To step into the things when there's tons of critique, but yet to step in with love. Now I'm hearing that, I'm feeling that boldness and encouragement today. And I pray that you are too. That you would we say yes, right? So Lord, we say yes. You are, you are at work and we want to say yes to you, to your plan. We praise you for your provision. You taught us to pray. Give us our daily bread. And so, Lord, for the provision of Myanmar, Myanmar, Lord, for the provision in our homes, for the provision of illnesses, right, for bodies, for provision in Detroit, for, for advocacy, provide, Lord, come. And power, oh, Lord, it's yours. You have power. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I pray, continue to share, continue to share, talk with one another and that. Sharon, thank you so much for listening to the Spirit of God as you taught us today.
and for um, teaching us and instructing us. It's always a great honor. We're very grateful for you, grateful for the gift that the Lord has given you and for having that opportunity today. Church, uh, so we're, we're, we're done here. We're going to Facebook, for those of you who are on there, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you want to stick around, we're going to unmute everybody. We can just kind of talk and you can share and have that opportunity just to, to be with one another. But also this week, Friday, in person uh, on Good Friday at 6 p.m. at Genesis. You can register for that or you can just go on Facebook. We'll be streaming that and you can listen to the story of the resurrection, or sorry, the crucifixion of Jesus. Then on Sunday, 7 a.m., drive up to the top floor of that, watch the sunrise, we'll read the story together, we'll worship together outside. If it's raining, bring an umbrella. If it's windy, wear a hat. If it's cold, put on your coat, right? It is what it is, top floor of that garage. Um, watch for people when you're driving up, drive slowly. You need to get a ticket when you come in. It's free to get into there, but we'll go up to the top floor. There you have it. And then at 10 a.m., if you want to be in person, register for that. But otherwise, we're going to be on Zoom and Facebook on Easter. God bless you. Uh, um, and may our mouths be open to our God of hope. All right.